Welcome to Talk Cosmos, the show where Sue Rose Minahan and her panel of guests bring you insightful conversations to awaken consciousness for soul growth. Come journey with us through astrology's energetic cycles and get ready to understand your path in the cosmic roots of the stars. Hello, I'm Sue Rose Minahan, and this is Talk Cosmos, Insightful Conversations to Awaken Your Soul, Girls. And today is February 25th, and we're in the season of Pisces, and our theme, our whole subject happens tomorrow. It's Chiron, the centaur out there between, well, we'll show you where it's at in, in one of our slides, between, in, between the Kuiper belt Kuiper belt and the asteroid belt on the outer side of the universe. And it is conjunct the North Node, which is a moon and sun orbital joining path. It's healing. It's dynamic. It is a pathway to walk for our destiny, for our best emotional being to construct all our projects that we wish. And I had so much more. I, well, we're going to talk a lot more about it. So this is Aries Chiron and North Node Forge Identity. And now we're ready for Kaleidoscope Visions. Associating current astrology transits to a real-life natal chart transit reading through the understanding of the sky's cosmic consciousness for navigating free will options, this is your Kaleidoscope Visions panel. I'm Sue Rose Minahan, collaborating with guests weekly since 2018. I'm an evolutionary astrologer, consultant, workshop facilitator, and lecture speaker. I'm a Dwarf Planet University graduate, charter member of Kepler Astrology Toastmaster Club. I have an AA degree and a fine arts music degree in jazz. I'm a certified color energy life coach, a writer, artist, musician, and ardent mythologist, a student of esoteric philosophies and life. I'm Amanda Pierce. I'm a soul-centered astrologer, blending intuition into my practice. I believe the universe is always working for our highest good and seek to empower my clients in our readings. I teach a four-week series of empowerment-based meditation classes that connect you deeper into your own intuition and innate power. I work in communications with a passion for employee experience. I also have a BA in psychology. I'm passionate about healing and enjoy helping others create new realities and shift old paradigms. And I am John Chenworth, an astrologer from Seattle, Washington. I grew up in southern Arizona and was so obsessed with mythology that I concretely imprinted the Greco-Roman pantheon into my psyche. I still see those gods and goddesses infused into everything around me. My experiences of working with developmentally disabled and resource students for many years as both teacher and mentor has given me a strong compassion for others and has seasoned me with an exceptional reconciling energy. I have more than 18 years experience reading natal charts and continue to enhance consulting techniques by attending workshops and conferences. I use a unique blend of evolutionary, archetypal, and traditional astrological methods to look for themes in the birth chart for us to explore. I also enjoy penning poems and exploring Washington State on road trips. And like the Sufi poet Rumi says, You are the entire ocean in a drop. Well, hello. Hi. Hello. Hi, John. We are. Yes, indeed. Are Ama- 
I'm fine. And for our audience, Amanda is at a retreat. She's away this month and she'll be back next month. And so John Chinworth and I are going to talk about this Aries North Node and Chiron at 16 degrees happening tomorrow on the 19th of February. And if you want to reach John, he's at skypathastro.com. And of course, I'm at talkcosmos.com. Shall we just jump in and explain a little bit about this centaur, John? Absolutely. Here's uh, Chiron. Chiron floats around between Saturn and uh, Uranus, and Saturn's a visible planet. Uranus is not, so it's that borderline between what's visible in the solar system and what's not. So it comes into view, then it goes and disappears for a while. So it's a very interesting entity. And when and another thing about the, the duality of it when it was discovered, they thought, is it a comet? Is it an asteroid? What is this thing? And they kind of created their own name for it, a centaur, which there are many in that belt. They like called the centaur belt. Yes, indeed. And it is among centaurs quite individual, which we'll discuss. I think it's the largest one so far discovered. Yeah. So it was easy to see, I guess. Go ahead. Yeah. Well, yes. And what you had said about the crossing, which I have here, you know, it crosses Saturn and Uranus. It's that merging and that wonderful experience of healing between the known factors and breaking the pattern into the intuitive patterns. It invites you to go from what you know into what, what is the unknown. And Chiron in mythology was a teacher and he would lead you to those places and guide you there. It's a really wonderful astrological tool. Yes. And he's a demigod because of his parents being both, one was a Human and, pardon my tongue today, but anyway, human and God. But he's a wounded master healer. There's Mm -hmm. a story, quite a famous one, where he was wounded by Errol Hercules from his 12 labors and was unable to heal it, which is so significant. But in asking for Zeus, the god of all gods, I mean, the, the, the god of the gods in the heavens, said, well, okay, you can exchange the place with Prometheus, who was being punished by giving fire. You know, he represents Aquarius often Mm -hmm. to to the humans, meaning that it's in this exchange of sharing our, our wound that we find healing because then it was put into the... We're, we're also, we become kind of like experts on how we're wounded and a way for us to heal ourselves is helping others going through a similar path or whatever they're going through. We can relate to them and we can probably guide people. Yes. And the very fact that he's half horse, which is our instinctive animal nature and half man of a rational divine nature is that beautiful integration of not uh, ignoring one or fragmenting right um notice that he is a centaur half horse half man right he is not the constellation sagittarius a lot of people i think oh he's sagittarius he's not sagittarius the constellation in the zodiac is a far more ancient constellation he was kind of a warrior energy uh chiron was placed in the sky as the constellation centaurus as a centaur but it's a little bit i think farther south so there's two centaurs in the sky Good point. Good point. And the transit of 
Chiron in Aries is one of the longest along with Pisces. It's eight years. It started April 17th, 2018. It was one week or maybe two weeks, 10 days actually, after I started Talk Cosmos. Because I remember in that month, and you you remember too, that we were bringing in Chiron in Aries and Uranus was leaving Aries. And I remember saying, handing the torch over you know, Uranus was giving it to Chiron. And I noticed that in the charts, Uranus is quite prevalent. So mm-hmm. it's an interesting. Um, it's an interesting thing when these two gods talk to each other. <laughs> when Uranus is very sudden and surprised, time for change. And uh, Chiron brings, well, we got to do some work here. We got to really look at things, slow down. <laughs> right? And often it's because of all that change that it augments it. <laughs> it brings it to the front. Well, he's Poor one Chiron chasing Uranus, kind of feel bad for it. <laughs> and he taught many things, medicine, music. Mm-hmm. He was a mentor to all. Want to briefly talk about the nodes. Some of our audience that's new, these are meeting points. It means a meeting point. They're points. They're not actual objects. And it's between the two orbits of the moon's path going with our um, ecliptic path, which is the orbital path that the apparent path of uh, Earth going around the sun. And they intersect so that when the moon is ascending, that's the north node. And when it's descending, it's the south node and node. And it actually weaves around and it's an 18 month collective process. And our whole galaxy is going northward towards Vega. Well, Polaris is our north node, but it's still heading towards Vega, away from Sirius, meaning the north is where we're venturing and integrating in to improve what maybe we've overlooked in our our past. And the south node uh, tends to deal with uh, what we know and understand from previous lifetimes where we come in with that experience. And the north node is all just brand new territory. You all have that in your chart, and it's very exciting to look at. Yes. So it's interesting that we're going in a northern direction. That's very interesting. It is. It really helped because people and I myself was wondering, well, okay, but why is this? But again, it reconfirms it. It isn't, there's practicality. I mean, not just practicality, but there's actual physical form that then uh, breeds is the word I wanted to bring, but I don't know if that's appropriate, but it, 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 it shares you know, so many of them. The fact that Chiron goes between the two orbits of Saturn, you know, and, and Uranus, for instance. So maybe they have a lot in common in their unknownness and what they explore. Chiron and the North Node, they're probably good things to explore together. They're often Ooh. very dynamic in the chart, right? Oh, John, you're fun. I like that. <laughs> it's very invigorating. I like it. <laughs> So here, one idea is going on that lead is that it is it stirs our need to walk that path. Yeah, exactly. Did I lose my slide? I just accent to our deepest identity. Yep. We could talk about Chiron and Aries. So if Chiron is carrying the wound in Aries, it would be a soldier wound or a fighter wound or a standing up for yourself kind of wound. Identity. It really gets down to identity. Yeah, because it's self. There's something in the self that just hasn't right. been. And then again, if it's new, we haven't actually allowed ourselves to exhibit that. But it's in Aries, is, of course, ruled by Mars, so it's action. 
That's why I always go to Warrior with Aries. It's like the first thing my brain goes to. Oh, well, we, you know, we do, it does defend our causes, but then again, it can't do it in a peaceful way. It's just that if people get in the way, they're, that's not such a good idea. Mm. <laughs> anyway, I laugh. The time is happening, and this is tomorrow on the 19th, 2024, is in London, UT or GMT, General um, Greenwich, meantime, is going to be at 9 p.m. 9 p.m., 12 minutes and 20 seconds. On the East Coast, it's going to be 4 p.m., 12 minutes and 20 seconds. In the West Coast, it's going to be 1 o'clock in the afternoon, which is just about 24 hours from now, isn't it? Almost exactly. It is exact. Yep. Hmm. Uh, 12 minutes and 20 seconds. And here in Hawaii, it'll be in the morning at 11 a.m., 12 minutes and 20 minutes. Because we have an audio audio, uh, podcast. I thought I would let them know. Here's our chart, John. Lots of things going on. (laughs) Yeah, I have another chart that I just circled to show people instantly. It is an Aries chart. So in other words, the houses aren't represented. So to our viewers, the North Node is a horseshoe. If you look inside that circle, and opposite is the flipped horseshoe, which is the South Node. They're always opposite each other. And a good thing to know is also the planets move forward and nodes move backwards to the Zodiac. Yes, it's that primary like earth going from west to east mm-hmm. always interesting how we have the two uh, motions moving so here i this is a chart for this transit tomorrow and i did circle as one can see up at the top right hand corner the conjunction with the sun which is really at the still at zero degrees Pisces, but it's conjunct mm. within seven, eight degrees to both Saturn and Mercury. There's a lot of clarity of thought. And Use, useful in mm-hmm. Pisces, right? Finding some ground, solid ground to stand on when you're kind of in the storms of Pisces. Really to try to find out what's essential. Yes, because mm-hmm. this particular transit, North Node in Chiron, Although the North Node is also conjunct Eris, which stays at a point for a long time, and it has been at 24 degrees, Aries for, oh, I don't know, a year, but at least since early, since last year. But there aren't any other aspects. So it's almost like a singleton in a way. It's Uh really, I mean, it has that conjunction between them. So it's really operating in its own dynamics. It's. It's like all the other planets quieted down so uh, these two could speak, right? I guess, yes, that could be a good way. Now, our moon, because when it comes to wounds, it's the emotional presence, has quite a few aspects. And the moon is just in early, why didn't I circle it, Sue? Well, no, it's at nine degrees cancer, so it's very intuitive. It's an intuitive moon. But it's trying, meaning supportive, to mm-hmm. that master of wanting the essential things, the time. You know, it's time-oriented because the moon is processing time and Saturn is, I mean, that's phases. And 
Saturn is no, this is essential. This it's, it's due. It's happening now. So, but it's uh, traditional time. We say classically uh, a mother and a father working well together, mom being the nurturing yeah. mother. And uh, this is, this is classical of course. And then uh, Saturn being the nurturing father, kind of having your back or something. That's what it feels like to me. It's good because they're looking up across to Ceres, which is another, which is a dwarf planet. Again, one of these that they didn't know which it was, but it is a dwarf planet. And she is nurturing and grief. So it's this whole involved with this whole process of, you know, our wounds grieve us and, it's also how we nurture ourselves, and how are we going to find that and that clarity of thought with Mercury? Ceres being um, the farming goddess of the Romans, I always put in there nurturing and how we take care of ourselves. Self-care yeah. comes into play with Ceres a lot. Yeah, and wherever it's located, that's how we can find that nurturing. In this particular, well, it's not in a house right here, but Ceres is in Capricorn. Early Capricorn for people is four degrees Capricorn. So it, it really wants to talk to Saturn. So it's it's that's a good you know communication, even though it's opposite. It's it's looking at awareness. You right. know, like how are we going to work together? What's happening? And it's the it's last been, planet finally getting out of Capricorn. <laughs> it's been a long Capricorn parade. It has indeed. <laughs> it's true, and Capricorn still saying, or Saturn still saying, you know what? Uh, with this Aquarius, I'm. In, on the sidelines, too, you know, don't think uh -huh. with Uranus. Saturn's have had a strong reign because it rules both Capricorn and Aquarius in traditional astrology. So Saturn has been on the throne for a while, kind of enjoying himself. Well, he's not quite there alone anymore. Uranus is strong True. and upsetting the whole apple cart, just like it does. It spins sideways and backwards. Well, <laughs> Mar <laughs> now, Mars, which rules the North Node, is square. That means activating the big ideas, the big belief systems. So there's a lot of, it's, it's a very dynamic uh, transit that wants to look at the whole big picture of belief systems, you know, and kind and of to how, wake, wake up the communities, wake up uh, humanity in general. Right. I like it. I like it. Now, Sabian symbols are, spiritualist symbols that were in 1925 and they're for each astrological sign degree and this um in this particular one for chiron and it's always the next degree although right. there is before during and after but for us we're just going to do the after degree meaning it's oh why did i put 16 i meant to put 17 there oh, rats mistakes Oh, here you go. Perfection. Oh, <laughs> yeah, I'll make a note. But it, it is 17 degrees and it's two prim spinsters sitting together in silence. And Linda Hill, besides Dane Ruchar, which I simply adore, but Linda also is very astute. And she brings this up some important points here that it, withdrawing might be what's featured, but we could be isolated. And because we might just want be comfortable with just a few to interact uh, with. But so realize that that could be a false security 
that just isn't stopping you from changing and growing because everything about Chiron has got to grow. Otherwise you're stunted in, in this um, hard issue. What's really interesting about this Sabian symbol, it's almost smack dab in the middle of Aries, which is like, let's go forward. Let's fight. Let's do what we need to do. And here you have this degree going, wait, we're going to sit here and think about it. So with this degree is an energy of what just happened. What are we getting into? So the, this is like a big comma in the middle of Aries, right? If that's a thing that could happen. I like that. That is so visual. It's, such a, it's, it's a really weird saving symbol, right? Yeah, and it's it is placement. 17 degrees, yeah. actually, for folks. If you're looking at it, a big boo-boo by Sue 17, here. yes. Yeah, and so really what it is, is instead of just going forward, it is almost like that pause, as you say, or retrograde it all in a kin, because you're looking for opportunities. It's like, well, what else could be new besides what I was storming instinctively towards? And a lot of it has to do with opening up that emotional blockages, which is just fascinating because that's really so much with there, I was thinking there could be some regret with that too, like what maybe about actions taken. And you're, you're kind of thinking, okay, thinking about what happened. Very good. Now, we have a volunteer, Jennifer, who will be coming on after the half hour. And this is her natal chart. It's January 11th, 1978 at, oh my goodness, I think it's 9.07 p.m. Somehow I missed that there. And in Hempstead, New York. So the rising sun is in Virgo, 13 degrees. Midheavens in Gemini, 10 degrees. And her sun is in Capricorn, of course. That's during the archetype. And later Capricorn, 21 degrees. In fact, reminds me, it's very close to that 2020 conjunction with Pluto and Capricorn. I bet that was a very dynamic time for her when yeah. they were at 22 degrees Capricorn. That was a stellium, you know, with yeah. everything. Oh, my goodness. It has... It'll change for everybody, but for her, probably um, maybe a lot of deconditioning, which Pluto and you know, Saturn want to do. When I look at the uh, sun, moon, and rising, I, I, I love that, well, Venus is in Capricorn next to the sun, so that's like, yeah, march up the mountain and get the work done, but Venus has softened that a little bit, and then you have a stormy moon in Pisces, but which adds a little bit of a storm to it, but the rising sign is in Virgo, which gives this practicality to it. So there's, yeah. a, there's a great access to uh, doing physical work, I guess, and also being, being emotional, being okay with that and being able to balance the two and to observe maybe what's going on. Does that make any yeah. sense? Well, a moon in Pisces wants, you know, it's a matter about boundaries. It's a beautiful, it's spiritual, it's right. imaginative, it's, compassionate it's in the sixth house too could be a natural healer of some sort it'll be interesting to see what her sure. vocation is but daily life and so i wonder if she has a, a meditative um, practice but otherwise because pisces works on that emphasis and if you're not relating to that it can be uh where's the boundaries you know because it doesn't have it's sloppy right i mean right now saturn's in pisces in fact, I guess Saturn's been going over her moon. It's probably been quite sobering. 
the moon is kind of well tempered with um, having the opposition to Saturn, so putting a check on all the yes. uncontrolled of Pisces, but it's also trying Jupiter, which gives a little bit of freedom. So it maybe does. there's uh, a there's a there's a good growth, balance here. Yes, growth, expansion, and contraction. Yeah, very excellent. Yeah, yeah it's a real fluid, and her moon is con sextile connected. That means it's like working together. You know, it's in conjunction. I mean, it's not in conjunction. It's it's connected to Chiron. And that is in Taurus, which is, again, of the body. So she might be a healer already of some sort with the body, you would mm -hmm. think. It's in the eighth house. It'll be... 60 degrees, the sextiles, uh, like being on the team. So Chiron and uh, the moon, uh, teammates working together. Yeah. I like it when those two planets come together. I think they're very helpful with each other. They're both uh, intuitive. One factor to add before we go to the by chart, by wheel, is that that conjunction with her natal son of self with Libra of, you know, Libras are what we're attracted to, what attracts from our desires to us. And of course, rules two signs, Libra and Taurus of other with Libra, which is the south node. And, and I self, actually, the provisions of our survival with Taurus, but it is in that uh, tension-oriented, action-oriented square to Pluto of transformation with the North Node in her chart, it's meaning that she probably changes quite a bit as she goes ahead, with, but or else relationships, it's in Libra. Relationships are powerful all the way down the line. And if we take it more, uh, so relationships are there definitely, but another aspect of Libra is like the diplomat, the negotiator, mm -hmm. arbitrator, trying to work yes. out a deal or, right, I want things to be fair. Things have got to be fair. Ah, here we have a by will. We have just a few minutes. We might go a little over. The, the inner chart is Jennifer's on January 11th, 1978, and that was 9.07 p.m. in Hempstead, New York, Eastern Standard Time. And the natal, the, the transit, which is tomorrow, February 19th, at, and this is Eastern Time. You could choose any, but it's 4.12 in the afternoon. So here it's flipped nodes, meaning that it's, a not, it's an 18-year period also besides being 18 months in one sign and they're reversed so her south node of, is in aries which is self-oriented and the one that she's headed to is the the partnership the the duality with you know, gaining with other people so chiron this nodal is very important for her to be maybe more inclusive It'll be interesting. What do you think about that? I was thinking maybe um, somebody could come into uh, her life that would be uh, a healer type. Could be an opening to do some kind of therapeutic work. Oh, you know what like I'm that. thinking? Eris, E-R-I-S, folks, who is another dwarf planet, the sister of Mars, is all about exclusion and inclusion. She wasn't invited to a party and she started the Trojan War, not deliberately, but gave, it, it's a whole wonderful mythology that John and I and others 
have and will talk about. But this is where perhaps she feels somewhat rejected. And so it might be a liberation going forward in some new path, you know, because maybe she's giving more to that Libra uh, partnership to others and losing herself and needs to regain. So Eris also as a goddess of protest or this is a wrong and this has to be made right, or this is the boundary. Come on people. Right. Yeah. And the other thing is that Mars that rules because all planets are dispository and rules by itself. Aries is in opposition right now. Her natal is five degrees Leo in the 11th. So she really loves groups and maybe activates groups and reigns somewhat as uh, the royal leader there, or at least well observed and noticed. But here it's in that, that opposition with that three conjunction, tiny little stellium with Venus, Mars, and Pluto in Aquarius in the fifth house are saying, hey, maybe we need to get, not maybe, but let's focus on your creativity. You might be shining in the group, but what about you? Let's get that self all-inclusive and rise, you know, rise to the top. There's also um, might be a, a struggle with, do I wear the crown or do I give away the glory? So the Mars and Aquarius is like, maybe put the crown away and let somebody else shine and help them shine. Or maybe I need to put the crown on myself and wear this thing. So there could be a dynamic of that. It's also mm-hmm. that opposition is uh, 11th, 5th, which are Leo Aquarius houses. How am I participating? Absolutely. The duality speaks all over. <laughs> well, thank you so much. We are going to cut away for just a little bit and then bring Jennifer on and we'll find out. How does this work and how can we relate to all of these dynamic introductions of our greater becoming who we are? Thank you, John. I think we're going to take a break. David, are we going to do that? Are you there? Maybe he had to step away. We're working with, ah, there we are. There we go. Things all happen. And hey, we're at that pause point, right? 17 degrees Aries. break from this week's edition of Talk Cosmos, let's take a look at this cycle's archetype. We are currently in the yin period of Pisces, ruled modernly by Neptune and by Jupiter in traditional astrology of the ancients. By leaving a cycle based on the equality of all humans and brilliancy, Pisces concludes the 12 signs that energetically encompass the entirety of the universe where humans have no control. As a mutable water sign, represented by two fish swimming in opposite directions of the forces of life, we experience in Pisces the collective unconscious energy of the unknown. Intuitive, psychic Pisces completes the seed cycle, initiated with Aries' willful separation from the Piscean womb. This is Martha Norwalk, every Sunday morning, beginning at 9 a.m. Thanks in part to Linda Rasmussen at VerticalEnergyWorldwide.com, we cover the world of animals. 
This week, March 3rd, it's Shelter Rescue Sanctuary and anything that helps our Animal Friends Sunday. We'll check in with Meow Cat Rescue, Help Animals India, and talk with Beth and Merritt Clifton from animals24-7.org and the Ananda Institute of Living Yoga. Hope you can join us, Martha Norwalk's Animal World, Sunday morning, 9 a.m. to noon, right here on Alternative Talk, a.m. 1150. Talk Cosmos brings insightful conversations to awaken consciousness for the soul growth with hour-long programs every Sunday at 1 p.m. Pacific on KKNW. Talk Cosmos weekly programs are also available to watch live on the Talk Cosmos YouTube channel and Facebook page. While you're there, make sure you click the like and subscribe buttons so you get the full Talk Cosmos experience. Or if you'd rather listen to the show archives with audio only, the entire podcast collection since 2018 is available on most podcast carriers. And to find out about upcoming programs, sign up for the newsletter at TalkCosmos.com. So grab your coffee, tea, or kombucha and enjoy the show. Wherever you go, Alternative Talk 1150 is here for you. Mike isn't on. Hi, Ron. You have to find it. Well, I was telling people I wrote a blog I haven't for years. In fact, yeah, so check out Talk Cosmos because it's a new project. And I think this is the courage to begin. And I was going to ask you, John. Do you have a courageous, I'm putting you on the spot, courageous project that's in tow right now? A courageous project right now? Yes, yes, sir. I'm courageously sending out poems to magazines. (laughs) Oh, that's right. Oh, that's amazing. East West Books in Seattle is having their celebration of Astrology Day, and Talk Cousins is going to be featured on that. It's going to be a two-hour event, and it will be on the 19th. One month from tomorrow in March, that is the spring equinox happens to be World Astrology International Day. And and we're hoping, now I'm putting you on the spot, that John is going to do some poetry, which is fabulous. If I, if I have some astrological New Year's poems ready, then yeah. <laughs> well, okay, well, we thought you did. We heard some. Okay, folks, let's bring on Jennifer. Hi, is Jennifer there? David? Hi. Yes. Oh, yes. Okay. Hello. I'm like David. <laughs> Hi, Jennifer. Greetings. Hi. How are you? Well, we're happy to have you. Thank we you. would love your feedback. And what what did you? How, how did that work for you? And any questions or talks, please share with us. Um. I'm not quite sure. I mean, I don't know that much about astrology. So um, there were parts of it that were hard um, for me to have a reference to. Oh, um, I'm sorry about that. I would sorry. say that um, definitely, though I'm not doing it right now, um, I am trained in like energy healing and sound healing and stuff like that. So the stuff that you said 
about being a healer um, was on point. Um, trying to think of what else you said. Um, definitely the part where you said, um, like, do I let someone else shine or shine myself? I definitely do see that as being a, a struggle um, in my life is I have a tendency to like um, take more of a supporting role um, than kind of take the spotlight myself. That's not a comfortable place for me. Um, um, I'm not really sure other than that. Do you have any direct questions for me? Well, that's potent. No, that, yes, and that's potent, Jennifer. Thank you, because you know, and we will talk as lay person as possible. It's always the goal. So I appreciate you bringing that up. But it would indicate that on a daily basis that you have this healing interest and compassionate. It's very compassionate. But, you know, sometimes our inner self and the outer self need to work together increasingly, right? Always meaning yes. that I can recognize, yes, this idea of how do you as an individual, with all your capacity, I'm sure you're very capable. People must look to you to say, Jennifer, can you do this? Or Jennifer, what do you think? Is that true? Um, yes. I would say okay. that has been true in my life, yes. Now, is this something that you're happy with? I mean, it's wonderful, but it's a burden also. It's a responsibility. And what about your dreams? What would you, what is it that you are hoping to shift. Is there something that you're hoping? That's actually something I'm struggling with. Um, I'm kind of at the what's next or what do I really want to be doing at this point? So right now um, I'm in like a transitional phase um, where pretty much everything in my life is up in the air across the board. Um, so I'm trying to working through because it's kind of like the sky's the limit in a way because I'm like starting from scratch. So like what road do I actually want to take? Yes, those exciting times, the chaos, but yet still where is one point? <clears throat> John, you might have a thought here because I was going to come up with another question. I might have missed it, but do, do you say you have a practice of doing your sound work and your energy work? Um, I was doing sound work and energy work, but, um, for whatever reason, I have a barrier of actually wanting to charge anyone for that. So like, moon. I understand yeah. <laughs> it is. So, it's I've had it. I was just doing a lot of work and taking a lot of classes and just doing sessions for free, um, to pretty much anyone that asked. You know, you're not alone. I think with all metaphysical um, work, whether it's astrology, whether it's any coaching in so many ways, we live in such a concrete world where you see it, you believe it. And how can it take, and I'm jumping around. In other words, it's hard to give uh, credentials to something that seems that it's not that you can't see and touch and feel necessarily, but you can really, as far as actions, or take a war veteran who has injuries that come back and that, do you, 
who is your audience that you like to do energy work for? That might, do you have a certain audience that you like to, or does it, is that something you've thought about? I don't, I don't think, um, I mean, like when I think of like an ideal, um, a group or whatever, I definitely am drawn more to work with women and children. Um, but as far as it's been is I kind of feel like whoever has crossed my path, um, and kind of been led to me or like have been compelled to offer stuff to are people that need something that I have and I'm more than willing to share. Yeah. David, I've can I have the, oh, can I have the slides back again, David? Okay, go ahead, John. An astrologer told me when I was starting out and I didn't want to charge money, uh, she told me that this just stuck with me. Uh, when you uh, charge money for what you're doing, because um, they will value it more and they'll be more present for what you're offering them. So just think, think of it, it is actual value. And it, it was it's a, game a measuring stick. Me. And, and they show up more when, when they've paid and they, you know, value, right? Yeah. yeah, even, you know, interestingly, I remember that too in theater. When I first went to school, yeah. I wanted to do in theater. And the very first thing he said was, no, you're not going to give away a free uh, theater. But here, looking at your chart, even though it may not make sense to you, it's like, you know, per doctors look at their lab tests, right? But mm -hmm. your, uh, John, what I was looking at was that eighth house, you know, because they're the, and just trying to, because, it, there is this, um, and the second house, you know, actually in some ways. So I want to explain to Jennifer what, the, what we're looking at. So she has an idea. Uh, okay. the, in, the inner circle is your natal chart, the day you're born where the planets were. And the outer wheel of planets is where the planets are now because, of course, they keep moving. So mm -hmm. uh, Sue has circled in red uh, the eighth house on the upper right and lower left the second house that's where all the actions kind of happening right now and it is really interesting because you signed up and you were the first i just poked you in this spot again there's so much oh i'm gonna stop well i was gonna say there's so much serendipity do you have a spiritual practice that you do i mean any meditation or yoga or walking yeah. in the woods whatever it is um I would say not like specifically. I do a little bit of meditation. Um, I definitely do some um, like clearing, more like um, witchy type practices. Mm -hmm. um, do you have a set place where you go to meditate when you want to meditate so it becomes like a regular part of your uh, regimen, I guess? And think of meditation I, however you do it. If it's witchy, whatever, that's okay. Right. Yeah. Right. yeah. Um, you have Saturn in your 12th house, which says, let, let's ground the spirituality in some way. It's like, let's build a solid place where I can uh, just sit and meditate and connect. But it is difficult because what you're working with are the greater forces, which, anyway, go ahead. You were saying. Um, well, with my living situation right now, um, mm. me and my kids are living with my parents. So I don't really have like, gotcha. like a space. Sometimes I'll do like walking meditation and go wherever I'm like kind of compelled to go that day, whether it be in the woods or a bike path or just on a street. 
Um, so you're meditating when you feel that you need to meditate and not like on a regular, like a scheduled kind of thing. Right. Okay. When I feel like my body needs it. Okay. Uh, if anything, I'd say like I try to do at least go outside and stand outside with like no shoes on and ground. Wow. Yes. Beautiful. All that's important. And and every little bit just reminds us more. But I think grounding outside, such as you're saying, is excellent. Or music, turning on the music and just yeah. really, you know, it, letting yourself have unrestricted uh, space to imagine, to feel, to center. However it works is really useful. You know, I took the class of um, The Artist's Way and which has been out for 40 years, whatever, a long time. And one of the primary things a person needs to do for is spend private personal time unrestricted just for themselves, like a date with themselves. And by doing that, just putting your feet in the ground barefoot. Bye. That's beautiful expression of that Saturn in Leo and the 12th Saturn. I'm going to ground myself, Leo. Right now I am the queen in my meditative practice. Yeah. That's a great way to feed that Saturn. That do you, yeah, or do you paint or draw? Is that anywhere an interest of yours? Um, it is. It's not an interest that I have as much time as I'd like to to do. But definitely when I was younger and before kids, I definitely was drawn to a lot of painting, um, watercolors, drawing. Mm-hmm. Um, when I was in my early 20s, like when I went to college and stuff, I really, I wanted to be a writer. So I was um, drawn to that if, type of stuff. Jennifer, if because guidance is within and, and, and all we're doing is trying to help implement, well, one of the, I think what John and I are doing is implementing that, that a routine because you are somebody that likes a routine, but also probably routine like me is not, it's a toggle, right? You know, it's fitting things in and right. it's somehow adjusting. But if you have a potpourri of things that you can do that help center you in, you can, you know, whether it's listening to your song, whether it's dancing to the song, whether it's journaling or writing a poem or sketching something, all mm. these are different ways to access communicating between our soul and ourself because it shows up everywhere with your chart here. You have the moon that is in a in a very uh, imaginative, energetic. It's compassionate. It also can be no boundaries. That's the big thing that you, and I was going to say also, I'll back up with my sentences, that you have that creative energy here too with where your, your son is located. But boundaries are important and your boundaries, not other people's boundaries. Um, I'd say that's that's definitely something that I've struggled with for the entirety of my life, Mm. like setting boundaries. Me too. (laughs) Well, this is a good time to, the sky is saying now is a good time to practice that. So uh, I don't know, like setting up that schedule, that meditative schedule or a time to do art, even if it's just like the smallest amount of time and little pockets of time during the day, just to, to get that in so your spirit can start to feel I'm taking care of myself and here's a, here's a line. That's a good idea. Just five minutes, even 10 minutes. Right. If you, I have a calendar that was inspired, let's say by a 
several couple of years ago because I was going through too many and I am married and trying to figure out life. And so I have it on the wall. It's just how I do it. And I even lately have been scheduling activities for me that are not appointments and not dictated, but that I want to put in there. It's, you know, I think, and we're going, and I'm going with the conditioning because you're a Capricorn and Capricorns ruled by Saturn, just to give a little bit of credential, uh, credibility as to why. And that can be quite traditional and we can be listening a lot to our parents, particularly our dad, you know, our society and being dutiful and responsible and all of these, and which is great assets. But yet the point is, whose drumbeat are we marching to? You have, Natalie, also a Venus conjunct the sun in Capricorn. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. there's this, Venus is saying, hey, love yourself, take care of yourself. It's all right this time around. You know what I mean? Yes. Do you yeah. have a class? That's a great placement for Venus, by the way. I think it's fantastic. Oh, yes, indeed. You have many, many strengths. Yeah. And that's the whole idea of this chironic, you know, we're talking about forging identities, is that we have these strengths, but somehow by ourselves, they don't seem like strengths because until we figure out, and that's the scary part sometimes, so use the courage to get past just a little tiny step in something, you know, rather than the big, huge step that maybe is the final goal, but just to get that feeling going ahead because what was I saying about tiny steps <laughs> forging ahead? Oh, and that is, it has to do with, oh, well, it has to do with listening and, oh, goodness, I lost myself. Go ahead, John. If you're uh, in the middle of a circle and you just walk to the edge, you'll just go in a straight line to the edge of the circle. But try again in the center of the circle and you just change your feet an inch, mm. half an inch, and you walk forward. You'll be in, when you walk to the edge of the circle, you'll be in a totally different part. Yes. So just, I, I, even the tiniest adjustments can make huge gains later. Definitely. Like little boundaries, like I'm going to draw a line here and they can be the littlest things in the world. And sometimes journaling, like if there's fear involved, there's there's hidden ideas to ourselves why we're not charging about that self-esteem and all that we have. But there's mm-hmm. something we're listening to and often it's standards. It's mm. perhaps that you don't feel like you have the credentials. But I'm wondering... Do you have some kind of class that you're thinking of taking that might help give you that confidence to realize that you have what it takes to um, Are you thinking of any classes or do you have that kind of time? You're a mother, you're single, you know, this time it may be time yeah. is, is an issue. Yeah, so I'm not um, trying to challenge. I'm just wondering. I have, been, I have taken a lot of different courses. I do have a lot of, um, quite a few certificates of nice. different type of stuff like that. Usually um, my mindset is more that um, as a healer, um, I feel like I'm just like kind of illuminating what's already innate in everyone. So I'm feeling like, why am I charging for something that you can oh, no, literally do yourself? Like, you have the same skill set, like, just you don't realize that you're tapping into it, or maybe you 
are not actively tapping into it at that time or. But you've taught well, them how to. You've led them there. You're the guide. And besides, and yeah, you one. have, and you have that neat sense of oneness. So you would see, right. and then that's the moon in Pisces that you naturally see how it connects, interconnects. It's a real strength. But by doing so, you are also a master because masters see it as pretty simple because they've worked and worked and worked at it. And and it seems like everybody knows it, but no, that's not true. It's your ability. And besides that, if you take five stories, they all have love themes, but there's trillions of them because they speak differently to different people. So I think part of this is maybe I'm, I'm going to go towards being more inclusive about what you do for yourself and doing something creative along with this idea of scheduling something because Mm -hmm. it'll start opening doors or finding a community that you can lead. Maybe that's part of it. That will show you what you are, you know, start or an email. Mm -hmm. Go ahead, John. one or two times, no, charge a fee, see how that feels. Even if it's like just the lowest amount, just see how that feels to receive that money for what you do. Mm-hmm. That'd be like the, the littlest step in the circle where you're going to change your steps just a little bit. Do you add, Do you have a website or how is your business? Um... No, like actually, like I did have a website, um, but I, I really in the past like year, I let everything go. I left all that go. Do you like YouTube? Can you do a YouTube like just 15, 20 minutes a day and just start talking? Do you, um, I actually, it's, it's funny that you suggest that because actually my best friend is trying to get me to collaborate with her on something like that. But do she it, lives about 45 minutes away. So we were like, where would we do it? Like, oh, but yeah. You, no, you, you can Zoom together like john and i are doing we're on Streamyard, but i'm not sure why you have to be together together i yeah all the time we're, you just we're hawaii in seattle <laughs> yeah i'm in hawaii and john's in seattle and you're on the east coast i have people yeah. around the world no do that jennifer and we only have a couple of minutes well we have three minutes two minutes so that's why i'm okay. getting a little urgent here but that <laughs> really shows your creativity it would be you shining and the collaboration, because Venus does like a partner, and that works really well. And I've been told that in YouTube, you you can learn with the AI how to the demo, you know, search engine optimization, all those factors. It's a learning curve, you know. And mm-hmm. you can get Canva for free and do a thumbnail. There's so many aspects, but that will generate. You never know. You might. It, it, first, it inspires you. It fulfills your sense of worth and gives – there's all kinds of ways that can go and be imaginative. Like you might have people have classes or you might have feedback. I mean, John? Um, yeah, just uh, find the source that you want to use, whether it's YouTube or what else. Is there Instagram? There's Facebook. You can do, do a lot of different things. That's true. Yeah. Thank you, Thank Jennifer. Thank you, Jennifer. Thank you. Excellent. Good. I know you'll have a lot to share. It'll be exciting. So Thank you. Thank you, everybody, and wish you a wonderful 
voyage with your own courage to go forward into our, these new ventures because little tiny steps build that whole experience and new identity. It's, a, it's like being on a ship or walking across some trail. Yes, John? <laughs> you said it. <laughs> okay. Well, thank you, everybody. Do subscribe, and we'll be back next week with the moon. Okay. Blessings. Thank you for joining an insightful conversation on Talk Cosmos, the show where Sue Rose Minahan and her panel of guests awaken consciousness by connecting soul growth patterns with astrology's energetic cycles. Be sure to tune in next Sunday, 1 p.m. Pacific time to continue your journey through the roots of the cosmic pathway.